I wonder if you have ever noticed that the way someone unwraps a gift reveals a great deal about their stage in life. My grandmother unwrapped gifts as only one who had wrapped countless gifts might, carefully noticing how well the corners were folded, the symmetry of each line, and any additional decorations. She unwrapped gifts with an appreciation not simply for what was inside, but for the time and thought that had gone into the idea of gift giving in the first place. My four-year-old niece, on the other hand, has absolutely no time to waste with the thing that covers the gift. She is new to the arena of receiving gifts and is focused on the task at hand, uncovering whatever is underneath the wrapping that now belongs to her. She leaves a trail of total destruction in her wake. And then there is my son, for whom the concept of receiving a gift is still completely foreign. In his mind, anything within his grasp is fair game, and once it's been in his mouth, it might as well be his. But he does not yet understand the difference between an object that is decoratively wrapped and the thing that lies underneath the wrapping. It is a truly magical time when he can walk around for days carrying a fully wrapped gift that doubles as a noisemaker, completely delighted by the pure existence of the new item. He does not realize there is still more to be discovered. The gift of Advent is that it is not what we expect. My niece and every other joy-filled child on Christmas morning have what we have come to understand as a culturally appropriate relationship with gift-giving and receiving, transactional and clear. But I think it's actually the seasoned discipline of my grandmother or the total innocence of my toddler whose behaviors best demonstrate the gift of Advent. They have an appreciation whether learned or not yet realized, that surpasses anything transactional. It is the very heart of God that we are preparing to greet in the season of Advent. Preparing one's heart is not a process that can be made easier by affixing a bow. The Reverend Fleming Rutledge puts it in even more stark terms. As Advent draws to its close, the special nature of the season summons us to sober reflection on the nature of a world without a savior. It is no coincidence that the promise of an everlasting throne was given by God to a man who had even less control over his household than does the present Queen of England. Now, forgive the reference to her late majesty, which was written at a time of particular turmoil for the royal family. Rutledge's point still holds and rings true to Joseph's unsettling experience as told in Matthew's gospel this morning. Anyone who has ever been a part of a family system knows how little control one actually has over those whom we love most. More importantly, Advent is a time when we intentionally make space to reorient ourselves to the gift of God's coming to live with us. There is no greater gift than that of a savior who brings the hope of an everlasting throne. And yet, we too often miss the point of the gift of Advent. 
I'll admit it's an odd phenomenon. The suspension of disbelief we ask for you to assume every year at this time. Instead of simply throwing Jesus a birthday party, we return to the beginning of the story. The shock for Joseph, the uncertainty for Mary, the companionship for Elizabeth, the surprise of angelic messengers for all who were pointed in a new direction. We ask for you to return to the beginning of the story every year because the gift of God's coming to live with us changed everything forever. And we cannot afford to overlook that. I do wonder whether this Advent practice of preparation might be particularly useful in those places where it seems as though people are still waiting on a savior whom they have not yet met. I wonder whether the news of God's presence with us might be a comfort to the husband who has felt unable to provide for his spouse's ever-growing material desires. I wonder whether taking more time to simply be with her as God is with him might reveal that she is desperately in need of his companionship, not more things. I wonder whether God's presence with us might be of comfort to the high school senior who received a rejection letter from her, his dream school last week. I wonder whether taking more time to look inward and discover his true strengths as God knows him might give him the confidence to be the person he has been afraid to be all along. I wonder whether God's presence with us might be a comfort to the woman who is grieving her sister's terminal diagnosis. I wonder whether honestly sharing in her sister's grief and fear, as God knows it, might provide a different experience of death and a more merciful grief than she thought possible. You see, it is all too easy to move through this world as though we have never met God's son. We are conditioned to tell elaborate myths of self-sufficiency and independent worth. But each of those stories lack the reality of our savior who has changed everything forever, all because he wanted nothing more than to be with us exactly as we are. Or as the Fleming Rutledge says, the mercy of God does not depend on human virtue for its fulfillment. Listen again. The mercy of God does not depend on human virtue for its fulfillment. Friends, this is the good news that we can expect from Advent. Whatever you imagine the stumbling block to be, the thing you envision that continues to separate you from God, I wonder... I wonder if that is precisely the reason that God had to go to all that extra effort to be with you. I wonder whether it's, not, it's only close up that God might convince you of the love that encompasses the thing you find most unforgivable about yourself. I wonder whether you've entertained the idea that God is not waiting on you, but has come to be with you, no matter how long of a wait might be in store. The location of the mystery of Advent is really, really important. In a total reversal of our myths of self-sufficiency or the damaging religious narratives of purity and holiness, God breaks through. God breaks through not with pomp and circumstance, but without any of the pretense so that there might be room enough 
for all to gather around and be with Jesus. God has moved, not we to him, but he to us, Rutledge says. God has moved, not we to him, but he to us. The location of the season of Advent is each and every one of us. I'm dangerously on the brink of a Christmas sermon instead of an Advent sermon, but I promise my point is about the unexpected gift of Advent and why it matters before we get to Christmas. Our collect this morning reads that your son Jesus Christ at his coming may find in us a mansion prepared for himself. The preparation that matters most in this season is that of your heart. We become the dwelling place and the storytellers of the good news. The gift of Advent is that we might turn our attention to all who are still waiting to hear about the Savior who wants nothing more than to be with us. Amen.